Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today, uh, we are going to examine the verses for Palm Sunday, which is coming up this week. Uh, coming up this particular Sunday. Today is April 4th, 2022. Palm Sunday is on the 10th. And that leads us into kind of Holy Week and, of course, Passover uh, for next week. Um, now, this morning's podcast might seem a little bit rushed because I was kind of felt led to go ahead and cover this now. This morning, kind of last minute, and then I kind of had to pull all my thoughts together and get everything together. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the Palm Sunday story out of Matthew. So it's 11 verses. I also want to read it out of Mark, which is 11 verses, so pretty short. Then I want to go to the book of Revelation for just a moment. And then we're going to do the thing that always gets me in trouble with everybody else, and that is I'm going to go look at a couple verses out of Second Esdras, which is in the uh, King James Apocrypha. Uh, so that is one, what is on the agenda for today. I hope that you'll be blessed and that you find it uh, interesting. And uh, hopefully it also prepares your hearts to start thinking about Passover and uh, what our Lord did uh, for us on the cross. How he bore our sins, died, and then God rose him again on the third day. So with that, let's have a look. Uh, let's start with Matthew. Um, so if you go to Matthew chapter 21, we have 11 verses here. This is all about this, the triumphal entry, if you will. Verse 1, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt and put them and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way, and multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. So there's the Matthew account. And it's interesting because the people are crying out, Hosanna. You know, they're, they're declaring him to be the Messiah crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then it won't be long. Within a week, they'll be crying out, crucify him and let his blood be on our head and our children's head. Which I just find absolutely astounding. Now, 
Uh, let's go read the Matthew account. Or, I'm sorry, we just read the Matthew account. Let's go read the Mark account real quick, which I believe is 11 verses, also chapter 11. Verse, yeah, chapter 11, verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethage, and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, as soon as you enter into it, and you shall find a colt tied, wherein never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and they found the colt tied to the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And a certain of them which stood there said unto them, What do you loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus has commanded, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and into the temple. And when he had looked around about all things, and now the eventide was come, and he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. So one of the interesting things is the blessed is the, is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Um, the reason why I say that's interesting is because in the book of Matthew, when we get to chapter 23, he warns them. Um, you can go to verse 23, verse 39. He says, For I say unto you, you will not see me henceforth, so you will not see me again, until you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're saying it here, but remember, it doesn't take them long to start crying out for him to be crucified, and they completely turn on him. And he says, you're not going to see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which I've, I always find, have found that interesting, and I've thought about that a lot. And I think there's still a, a prophetic fulfillment of that um, in some way that that is going to be fulfilled. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, they're quoting a psalm. Uh, psalm 118 verse 26 in Hebrew. It's Baruch Haba Bashem Yehovah. Baruch Haba Bashem Yehovah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yehovah is what it actually says in the Hebrew. Um, and then if you look at it in English, it's blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I don't know. It is possible that they were saying that. Um, you know, as Jesus is riding through on the colt, it's very possible they were actually saying in Hebrew, Baruch Shem Yehovah. Many of them spoke Greek, so it's hard to tell, but just an interesting concept. It makes, you know, I talk about revival and how the world is actually ripe for the greatest revival that's ever happened. People get mad when I say that um, because that doesn't fit the dispensational end-time narrative um, that that would happen. Um, people get frustrated with me, but I could see the greatest revival in the world starting in Jerusalem, you know, starting amongst uh 
Israel, which would be interesting. Of course, this is all the this is all just Sean's thoughts. Okay, so don't run with these and make doctrine out of it or anything. Uh, I'm just sharing some thoughts on the fly here. Let's go ahead and look at Revelation chapter seven. The reason why I look at this is because we're dealing with palm branches, right? Like they had the palm branches. They're saying, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." All of that. If we go to chapter seven, we see this vision that John's having. Um, you have the t- you have the sealing uh, of the 144,000, and then you get to verse nine. He says, "And after this, I beheld." And lo, a great multitude, which no man can number of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues. By the way, who's who's all standing in the in the throne? Is it a particular race? Is it a particular bloodline? Is it no? What's it say? After this, I behold, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues. All languages, too, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white, with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence did they come? So one of the elders comes up to John and he says, Who are these people? Where are they from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And then what follows that is the opening of the seventh seal. So just, I just wanted to bring those stories up because they dealt with the palm branch. And uh, I think it's important to not forget that Jesus said, you will not see me again. He's talking to Jerusalem. He's talking to Israel, Jerusalem. For I say unto you, shall not see me henceforth until you say, Baruch Abashim, Yavah. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like you were saying it at one point, but then you back, then you walked it back, and I'm saying you're not gonna see me again until you say it. Just it's just interesting. It's it's, and maybe I'm making more of it than I should be. Uh, but it's just something that's always kind of stood out to me that he would quote that psalm, that he would say something like that. Uh, which is kind of a strange thing to say. You're not going to see me again until you say it. Because they are saying it in Matthew 21, verse 9. But then in Matthew 23, they're not saying it. But And this is right after he laments over Jerusalem. So he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which killeth the prophets, and stoneth them which are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered you like children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left you 
desolate, right? He's, he's telling them destruction and judgment is coming, which is about 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and the people were destroyed. Those who didn't flee to the mountains were destroyed. Behold, your house is left desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth until you say, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. So I just find that interesting, and I wanted to share it with all of you this morning. All right, let's do the part that I'm not supposed to do, but I'm going to do it. We're going to read from the Apocrypha. We have this story in Second Esdras, and it's chapter two. Esdras has seen this vision, and it really kind of it kind of goes along with the Revelation chapter seven that we just read. And I'm only going to read like part of it, like just like a handful of verses here that I just found interesting. We have covered this book many, many times on this podcast, uh, but maybe I need to cover it again because it's been several years. And listen, when you do this every week and you read all these things and you, sometimes it all gets bunched up together and you forget things. And uh, that's why you'll occasionally see me revisit a book like we studied it three years ago. We're going to study it again. Like, uh, So that might be something that we do. Um, let me know if that's something that you would be interested in. Let me just start with... Uh, let's see. Let's start with verse 35. Let's start with verse 34. So Second Ezra is verse 34 through 48. He's speaking with an angel. He's seeing visions. He says, Therefore I say unto you, O nations that hear and understand, await your shepherd. He will give you everlasting rest because he will come at the end of the age is close at hand. Now, I don't think he's necessarily talking about... Because every time that we read the end of the age, we just make it about ourselves, right? And we say, well, he said it was close at hand, and he's talking to people from like 2,000 years ago, but it's really about us. Like, we, we really have to stop doing that. This is even further back. This is the time of Ezra, okay, and Nehemiah. Um, so it would have been around the... T- so he would have been getting these visions and things around the time after they're starting to return from the Babylonian captivity. Okay? That's, that's the, when Ezra existed. Therefore I say unto you, O nations, hear and understand, await your shepherd. He will give you everlasting rest, because he who will come at the end of the age is close at hand. Be ready for the rewards of the kingdom, because the eternal light will shine upon you forevermore. Flee from the shadow of this age. Receive the joy of your glory. I publicly call... On my Savior to witness. Receive what the Lord has entrusted to you and be joyful, giving thanks to Him who has called you to heavenly kingdoms. Rise and stand and see the feast of the Lord, the number of those who have been sealed. That's an interesting verse, right? Because we, chapter 7 of Revelation deals with people being sealed, some kind of protection. Those who have departed from the shadow of this age have received glorious garments from the Lord. Again, Revelation chapter 7, he's handing out these white garments. Take again your full number, O Zion, and conclude the list of your people who are clothed in white and have fulfilled the law of the Lord. The number of your children whom you have desired is full. Beseech the Lord's power that your people, who have been called from the beginning, may be made holy. Check this out. I, Ezra, 
saw on Mount Zion a great multitude, which I could not number. And they were all praising the Lord with songs. Doesn't that sound familiar? Ezra sees a multitude. He can't number them. There's too many. And they're praising the Lord. Check this out. And in their midst was a young man of great stature, taller than any of the others. And on the head of each of them he placed crowns, but he was more exalted than they. And I was held spellbound. And then I asked the angel, Who are these, my Lord? And he answered and he said to me, These are they who have put off mortal clothing and have put on the immortal. They have confessed the name of God. Now they are being crowned and receiving palms. And I said to the angel, Who is that young man who places crowns on them and puts palms in their hands? And he answered and he said to me, He is the Son of God, whom they confessed in the world. So I began to praise those who stood valiantly for the name of the Lord. And then the angel said to me, Go tell my people how great and many are the wonders of the Lord God which you have seen. And so that's the story that I believe is, I mean, it's so similar to Revelation chapter 7, deals with the palm branches, deals with the Son of God. Wild, wild thing. People think the scriptures are boring. They're not. They're filled with so much wonder and majesty, and there's so much to be curious about. So much to dwell on and chew on and think about and explore. And I don't know how people could be bored with the things of God. We've kind of lost, and I don't know if it's just because of the culture or what it is, but we've kind of lost that, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Everything is about, we try to make everything scientific and we've kind of lost the wonder and the the mystery and the what's behind the scenes, you know, the this there's what's going on around us in the spiritual world. The fact that we're actually in a real war with demonic entities and fallen angelic beings and all of this is actually happening around us and we're constantly being shot with arrows and things that we can't see and we're wondering like where did that temptation come from and where did the you know where did this thought come from and why am I struggling with this I mean, you're in a war and those who overcome and you overcome by just believing never losing faith that Jesus is the Messiah he's the son of God that he came and he bore your sins on a cross and he died, and God rose him again on the third day. And uh, so that's what we need to be thinking about over the next couple of weeks as we go into Passover. And of course, next week we'll cover the Passover story, both Passover and Exodus and uh, the cross. Um, we'll, we'll look at those and examine those like we do every year. And of course, we'll also examine the, um, the story about him how he rose from the dead, because without that part, we've got nothing. We've got nothing without the resurrection. All right, my friends, I hope you've been blessed this morning. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too off the cuff and too rambly. I hope it's a good way to start your week. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.